In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, today Jesus performed his first miracle at a wedding at Cana. And there he turned water into wine. When Jesus performed this miracle, he was teaching something. He was teaching who he is, and he was teaching what he has come to do. The account begins with Jesus as he attends this wedding uh, at Cana with his mother, uh, Mary, and his disciples. And uh, the weddings in those days weren't like the ones we have now, uh, where we just kind of a two, three-day event of a rehearsal dinner ceremony and the reception. Uh, the, the, the weddings, according to the Jewish custom and the culture of the time, lasted for one week. And it was the groom's responsibility to provide for all of the food, all of the drink, all of the entertainment for the guests. He was supposed to make this party epic, right? This great celebration. So it's day one of, uh, day, day one of the week-long uh, wedding feast. And they have no wine. The thirsty guests already drank it all. And so Mary tells Jesus... Uh, And she tells this to Jesus. And Jesus says to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Then Mary said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. By the way, these are the greatest words from Mary, the mother of Jesus. So you should treasure these words of hers in your heart when she says, Do whatever he tells you. So when Jesus says, Repent, then do whatever he tells you. When he says, Be baptized, then do whatever he tells you. When he says, take and eat, this is my body, then do it, because he tells you to do it. Okay, back to the account. So Jesus, seeing that the groom is about to suffer great embarrassment and shame because he didn't prepare well enough, he didn't have enough resources, he couldn't provide for everyone at that wedding for an entire week, then he talks to the servants. And Jesus finds six stone water jars for the Jewish rite of purification, about 20 to 30 gallons each uh, holding, holding this water. Uh, and what they did is they used these jars to wash themselves before the wedding and then before the meal. This was a purification rite. So as the party was going on, Jesus quietly tells the servants, fill these jars, these six of them, with water. And they fill them up to the brim, and then Jesus says, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they take it. And when the master tastes it, he said, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, that is when they drink too much and have bad judgment, uh, then the poor wine they bring out later because they can't tell the difference. So, but you have kept the good wine until now. So Jesus turned this water into wine and not uh, grape juice. Learn this well that alcohol, drinking alcohol is not a sin. Getting drunk is a shameful and embarrassing sin. This is bad. God doesn't forbid the drinking of the gift of alcohol which he made. He forbids abusing that gift. So don't forbid God's gift of wine. Don't be a pietist. And at the same time, don't be a drunkard. What you should do is have self-control and enjoy the gift God gave you. Uh, and self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit. So drink wine and beer and alcohol joyfully, but with discipline. And enjoy these gifts from God as a Christian who trusts in the God who gave it to you. So the first thing we learn from this text uh, is who Jesus is. When Jesus turned water into wine, he did it without crushing any grapes 
without adding any yeast, without waiting three months for it to ferment, without any labor or sweat from his brow. When he did this, he's teaching us that he is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things were made. So for 30 years, Jesus was hiding his divine majesty. And today, he chooses to manifest his divine glory. That is, he decided to allow his divine majesty to shine forth for a moment as he transforms water into wine with nothing but his words. He shows us that he is the true creator of the world who exerts omnipotence at his will, who has full dominion over all creation, who even the water submits to him and becomes what he says it should become. And he makes and creates with a word from his lips. This is Christ's epiphany, his showing himself forth. He's showing a glimpse of himself to mortal eyes. He's showing us that the child who was laid down into that manger was indeed the only son from heaven. And today Jesus shows us how to fix our eyes and to see his full divinity and full humanity work together in the unity of his person to exert sovereignty over all creation as it, as it submits to him. Now the second thing we learn is that we learn from Jesus in this text is that not only who he is, but we also learn what he came to do. When Jesus performed this miracle, he doesn't do it for himself. He wasn't thirsty. He did it for the bride and the groom. He did it for the guests, for his mother and for his disciples. By this miracle, Jesus shows that he came to earth not to be served and not to serve himself, but to serve. He's doing the job of those servants. He's doing the job that that groom should have done. He shows that he came to provide the things that we lack. He shows that he came to give us things and things that are better than we've already had, things that are better than we can make for ourselves. He shows that he came to gladden the hearts of men with an even better wine. He shows that he came to uphold and sanctify marriage between a husband and a wife as wives submit to their husbands, as husbands love their wives, as Christ loved the church. By making the place where he showed who he really was first at a wedding. When Jesus turns water into wine, he gives us a sign of what he has come to do for his church. What he's come to do for you. We are the poor and needy families of earth who because of our sin have no lasting joy, whose cups run dry. We are the ones who have nothing in our possession that will bring us a lifelong satisfaction. We're the ones whose resources will soon be depleted, whose happiness will come to an end, whose life will reach rock bottom. We fill ourselves to the brim with money and popularity and self-righteousness and leisure and entertainment, but it leaves us empty inside. We pour ourselves out over our work, over our finances, only to watch it all evaporate before our eyes. We watch as sin depletes the little joy that we have left, how it infects our conscience with guilt and sadness and pride and arrogance. We watch helplessly as we see that we're not prepared for all the pain and trouble that's about to come our way in this life. And as we realize that there's nothing we can do to stop the inevitable from happening to us. We watch anxiously as everything comes to naught. It's, just, it's not just that the things of this life will run out on us. 
but the very life we have in us will run out too and come to an end. And this is precisely why Jesus came. He came to enter our lowly estate. He came to hear our cries of desperation saying, we have no wine, we have no money, we have no time, we have no cure, we have no hope. He came to hear our sighs and gasps of hopelessness and take them all away by saying, look, you might not have any of those things, that's true, but you do have me. And that Jesus might be all you have, but dear saints, he's all you need. He came to help us when no one else could. He came to fill us with good things. He came to make things better than they were. Just as that wine in Cana gladdened the hearts of those men and women, Christ has come to give you the wine of his blood to cheer your broken spirit. Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. As everyone in that wedding and that celebration was thinking about that moment in time, Jesus was thinking about their eternal life. Jesus said this because the reason he came was not simply to rescue that wedding from ruin, but to rescue this world of sinners from the destruction of their sin by bearing their shameful sin with his body on the cross. What Jesus did in that first hour of his ministry was to point to his final hour on the cross, the hour of his glory, the hour of our joy, the hour when he would fill the deep basin of the law with the blood from his veins. And in the filling full of that law to the brim with something better than it ever held before, the holy, innocent, and precious blood of Christ, which satisfies the wrath of God, became the drink which now brings us gladness here today. He has come to sweeten the blandness of this life and the bitterness of death with his own death and resurrection. Today, Jesus brings you a wine that is good enough for the master of the feast, a blood pure enough to the Father. And Jesus gives you this wine as he satisfies your deepest need and quenches your most profound thirst, your thirst for righteousness, forgiveness, and eternal life. But if you're still content with the bitter wine of this life, if your heart is set on things of this world, if you're filled with impenitence and pride, then this cup and this wine isn't for you. But if you know the emptiness of your own condition, and if you know that your time is running out, if you know that you cannot provide any joy for your broken and sinful heart, then fix your eyes on Christ and watch as he turns your sorrow into joy, as he fills you with a relief greater than you could have ever imagined, the total, the free, the overflowing and bottomless forgiveness of every single one of your sins without merits or worthiness in you. Know that even the heaviest heart among you today, here in this congregation, even the heaviest and most broken heart that comes to this altar believing that what this blood has won for you will be met, will, will be met with an unspeakable joy and gladness as you drink. So drink deeply from that chalice of eternal peace with God himself that cannot be taken away, that will not run dry. Come to this altar as he pours into you the drink of his blood, as he gladdens your aching heart with a righteousness better than your own, with a joy greater than you could imagine.
Fix your eyes on Christ and on the sign he gives you here today. That what the Son of God spilled on Calvary is given to you and served now. Lord, when you look on us in love, at once there falls from God above a ray of purest pleasure. Your word and spirit, flesh and blood, refresh our souls with heavenly food. You are our dearest treasure. Let your mercy warm and cheer us, O draw near us, for you teach us God's own love through you has reached us. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.